Last week, we talked about why is this letter, uh, why does it exist? Why did John write it? And we talked about who John is. And this is the same John who wrote the gospel according to John. This is the same John that was in uh, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And not just one of his 12 disciples, but one of his closest three. There would be some times when he would draw aside and do something special. And he would ask Peter, James, and John to come. And this is the John in that. And so John is writing this. And, and he, he repeated himself a lot last week. And he's going to repeat himself some more this week. Uh, from what, where we saw last week. And he gave us three reasons why he was writing this. He was writing it so that we could have fellowship with each other. He, fellowship with God. And so that our joy may be complete. And so that's where I want us to start. Is actually, let's, let's reread verse 4. Where we were last week. And it says this. And we, and remember this is a collective we. John is the only one writing it. But we being the witnesses. Those who have been with Jesus. And we are writing these things so that. Our joy may be complete. And so, I want to remind you that the reason we're about to read what we are about to read is because John desires all those who walk with Jesus, who are witnesses of him and with him, uh, they desire for their joy, for our joy to be complete. And that is why he is writing these things. Because he knows that the people to whom he is writing, they are being deceived. People are telling them these false things about what God desires and what will get you closer to God. Specifically, most scholars believe that um, they are being taught the the false teaching of Gnosticism, where a basic idea of Gnosticism would be the flesh is evil, but the soul is good. The soul has not been affected by are stained by the wrongdoings of this world. If you do something evil, that's just your flesh doing it. And of course, that's that's not true. But they also believe that, you know, if some things like if you would just be at one with your soul and meditate, then you could become closer to God and become holier um, in that, just by that action. And so John knows that those things aren't true, and so he's going to try to, in addition to the reasons that he gave us last week of why he was writing the letter... Um, one of the things that we see, he doesn't specifically say Gnosticism in the gospel, but the th- or sorry, in the letter, but the things that he teaches obviously address those things. And in fact, today we're going to see some of that. So um, let's go ahead and go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. So John and the other witnesses with Jesus... They heard this from Jesus. And now they're proclaiming it to the people around them. And, and 2,000 years later, here we are with this. We have the ability to read what John was writing to those in his area. So that we can also have fellowship with each other. Fellowship with God and, and the joy and, and we, we looked at some other things of why he wrote the letter last week. But those are the three main things that we have seen already up to this point in the letter. And he is telling us that this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light. Now, if you were to turn back to John chapter 1. And if you have your Bible, you might want to go ahead and do that. Um, if you were to go ahead and turn back to, to John chapter 1 then you would see some of these things that we've already heard. In, in, in 1 John 1, 1, we, we see the word 
the, the words the beginning. And in John 1, 1, we see in the beginning was the word. So we're seeing some similarities between his gospel and this letter already. And here we see God is light. And if you look in John 1, we see in verse 7, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light. This is talking about John the Baptist. He came to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, he being John the Baptist, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And so Jesus is called the light. And now we go back to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, and it says, This is the message we have heard from the beginning, uh, sorry, have heard from him, and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And there's just so much going on here, and, and we don't have time to get into it all, but I do want to just tease you with them and bring them out just a little bit. In John 1, 1, we see in the beginning was the word, right? Uh, in Genesis 1, 1, how the Bible begins, we see that God created the heavens and the earth. And when God created the heavens and the earth, what is the first thing he said, let there be? Wow, that was pretty impressive. That might end up on the microphone for people listening online. Good job. Yes, light. He said, let there be light. And so there's there's a lot being connected here. There's, there's a lot uh, that he is using to explain who Jesus was, who God is, and who Jesus is. Um, he is using these things, and here's this word light, and light has a lot of, of meaning in the Jewish culture, and then, of course, it's been adopted by us as Christians, as followers of Jesus. And so, um, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So, all that is good is represented by light, and all that is bad is represented by by darkness. And when it says in him is no darkness at all, if you go back to the Greek, this is actually a double negative, okay? Uh, so in, in English, we're not supposed to follow uh, uh, not nothing. You know, we're not supposed to say something like that. It's not nothing, right? Because in, then we're saying it is something because it's not nothing, so it has to be something, right? And so it, it's not that way in the Greek language. He's emphasizing something. He's saying, and in, in, in him, it, it, there's not none. There's no darkness whatsoever. Not even a speck. Not even a little. And so it's, it's more like saying, no, no, there is none. There is none. He's emphasizing that there is not even a little darkness in God. And so, everything that is good, everything that is light, can be found in God. Now, you're here. You're in a church on a Sunday morning in the South. So, many of you probably agree with this. That God is good. That God is all good. That there is no darkness, none whatsoever in Him. But you should know, if you don't already, that there are many people in our community and and throughout the world who do not believe this. Who... Say, if God is good, then why does this happen? Or why is this happening? And so, what I want us to do as Christians is to believe the testimony of John, who is really the testimony of who? Of Jesus. Yeah. And he says, this is the message we have heard from him. 
and proclaim to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say we have fellowship with Him, who can tell me the Greek word for fellowship? <laughs> Y'all are good. We've, 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 we've ran into that one a lot over the last few months. And um, so, yes, if we want to have koinonia with God, fellowship with God, if we say that we have that, and, and that fellowship is a, it's working hand in hand, it's a partnership, a relationship that is tight, that, it, that is important, that is intimate, if we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness... Darkness being any kind of sin, anything that is not of God. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie. Now, John isn't going to pull any punches, okay? He's just going to tell it like it is, and he is going to call us, if, if we're not doing what Jesus said we should do, he's going to call us liars more than once in this letter. Uh, He's going to say harsh words in this letter. But we have to remember that the reason he's writing these things to us is so that our joy may be complete. He wants to set the record straight. He wants to make sure that we understand truth and that we're walking in truth. That we know that God is light and we are walking in that light. And if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, that is a lie. We lie and do not practice the truth. Now... I've, I've debated whether to do this, and I had decided against it, but now that I'm here in the middle of it, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Karina, will you come up here? I need your help. I don't know why she doesn't look more excited than what she does. Okay, can can everybody pretty much see us here? Okay, Karina, you're going to uh, pretend like you're God in this scenario, okay? All right. <laughs> All right, so... Your right hand, I want you to grab me with your right hand, okay? And now I'm going to grab you with my right hand, okay? So in relationship, if you have a relationship with God, if you have been saved, if you have uh, put your faith and trust in Him and He has saved you, you have been born again, use any of the words that the Bible uses to describe salvation, and this, you know, just fill in the blank. If you have a relationship with Jesus, if you are a follower of His and have been saved, he has you. You are His. According to First Peter, it is, your salvation is stored for you in heaven. According to John 10, no one will snatch you out of His hands. Okay? And so if you are truly saved, and that's an if, if you are saved, then He has you. Are you getting uncomfortable holding my arm this long? Okay. All right. So this is relationship, or sometimes the Bible calls it sonship. Okay? Your salvation is secure in God. But fellowship, okay, koinonia, is dependent on us. Because if we sin, okay, so I'm in right fellowship with God. So I'm, we're face-to-face. Hey, how you doing, God? Um, and if I sin and I try to turn away from God, I can. Now, he has me, she in this case, but God has me. Um, and 
my, my, my relationship is secure, but can my fellowship be broken? Yes. Can it be tainted, stained, uh, destroyed by sin, messed up? Absolutely. But I can do what? I can repent, I can ask for forgiveness, and I can turn back, and we can be in right fellowship again. We, we were always in relationship, we can be in right fellowship. Thanks, Karina. High five. Awesome. Okay. She didn't do that good of a job. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> you did awesome. Uh, so, what we see here in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship, I just want to make sure that we understand that this isn't saying that if we sin after we become Christians, then we no longer have relationship or sonship. Because that's not the case. Now, let me say this. If you say you are saved, if you say you are a Christian, but then you just continue to live life in sin, and all you do is, is sin, and you, you get further and further and further away from God in, that, in, in what we would consider fellowship if you were saved, but if you just continue down that path, then the Bible warns us time and time and time and time and time and time again that maybe you were never saved in the first place. So I'm not saying that if you just go ahead, you say you're saved and then you just live on in sin like nothing's ever happened or nothing's ever changed, then the Bible would say you were never, you probably never saved in the first place. Now that's between you and God. And it's hard for other people to be a judge of that. Now we're told to judge people by their fruit. And even more often we're called to judge ourselves by our fruit. And so what I want to challenge you in is this. If you say you have a relationship with God, then look at yourself, examine yourself, ask God to examine you, ask Him to, to look within your soul and see, do you truly have a relationship with Him? Because, you see, we can believe in God with our heads, have a head knowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. We can believe that and still not be saved. In James chapter 4, as I've quoted several times here, even the demons believe and shudder. And so just knowing that Jesus is God, He is the Son of God, that He died on the cross, that just knowing all the truths of who He is and what He has done, knowing that doesn't save us. Okay? We have to be in relationship with Him. We have to be forgiven of our sins. We have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead. And that type of belief is proven outwardly. We're living out our salvation. We're working out our salvation, as we talked about in Philippians, okay? And so, um, if we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So, if we are truly saved, if we have been born again and we have a relationship with Jesus, okay, then we're saved. And if we are walking in fellowship with him, then that means either A, there is no sin which might be true for the first few minutes you're a Christian, or B, we have confessed those sins, we have repented of those sins, we have asked Him to forgive us, we've turned away from those things. And then we're back in right fellowship. But sin messes up the fellowship that we have with God. So if we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So it's interesting that it skips the with him there because it was just talking about if we 
walk in darkness, we don't have fellowship with him. So it just assumes that we understand that we have fellowship with him first and then goes immediately to we have fellowship with one another. So if we are living like God desires us to live, if we have repented and confessed and, and asked for forgiveness of our, of our sins, then we are in right fellowship with him. And if we're walking in light, we're walking with him, we're going to have right fellowship with each other. Why is that? It's because for everyone who has asked for forgiveness, for everyone who is in right fellowship with God, you're all walking with him. And if we're all walking with him, then we're automatically walking with one another. We're automatically going to be in right fellowship with one another. And remember that to, to love each other is a commandment, right? It is what Jesus asks us to do, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love one another. And if we're not loving one another, then guess what that is? That's sin. And we're not right walking in right fellowship with him. So John is assuming that this is people who are loving God, loving one another, walking in right fellowship. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, notice some things here. It cleanses us in the presence. When it comes to salvation, for those who have already been saved, it shouldn't be cleanses. What should it be? Cleansed. Past tense. You see, the Bible talks about, in the New Testament, it talks about salvation in at least three parts. There's justification, which is the moment you get saved. The moment you're born again. We're not constantly born again every day. We're born again once. So there's, there's justification. But then there's sanctification. So if justification is being made right with God, the, the, once, the salvation that happens once, sanctification is the fact that we're made into God's image, that he has set us apart to be more and more like him as we walk with him. And as we mature in Christ, we become more and more like him. He is sanctifying us. And that is still in the process of happening. It is in the present tense. Okay? If we're saved, salvation, saved, past tense. It's already happened. Sanctification, he is making us more into his image, present tense. Okay? And then future tense... We have glorification. There's different words used for it. But we have glorification waiting for us. We have the moment when our salvation is going to be made complete. Where we are no longer hindered by sin. Where we are dwelling in heaven with God and He has given us new bodies. He has made everything right. He has made everything new. And so here it says that the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us. Cleanses in the present tense cleanses us from all sin. And notice that sin is singular. It doesn't say sins. It cleanses us from all sin. And so this is just general sin. This is just saying sin, and it's a catch-all phrase for everything that you might imagine. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Okay? So our relationships with each other are going to benefit. And remember the darkness in the last verse. And, and if we're walking in darkness, then we lie. We don't have fellowship with him. Okay? Now, re- rewind a little bit more to last week. What are the three reasons why he told us he's writing this letter? 
so that we can have fellowship with one another. Well, here in this verse we see that. We can have fellowship with God and that our joy will be made complete. So, if we want our joy, if we want true joy, then here's what we have to do. We have to be honest about where we are with God. First of all, are we saved? That's the first question we need to ask ourselves. And I don't think we have to ask ourselves that every single morning when we wake up. God, am I saved? Do I have a relationship with you? But there are warnings in the Bible where if we find ourselves giving into sin on a regular basis rather than following God's will, we're following our own will. Then we need to ask ourselves. We need to check ourselves and examine ourselves. Do we really have a relationship with Jesus? But let's just say that we're saved. John is writing this to people who he assumes, he's making the assumption that they're saved. And so let's say that we're saved and, and we have a relationship with God, then what? Okay, then we need to make sure we're being honest and that we're in right fellowship with God. That we're being honest about the things in our lives that might be sin. If they're sin, we need to confess those things. We need to get right with God. Because our fellowship, if our fellowship's not right with God, our fellowship's not going to be right with each other, and we're sure not going to have complete joy like John desires for us to have. And then it it works together. If our fellowship isn't right with each other, then that's going to automatically indicate that our fellowship is not right with God. If, If it's something that we've done on our part. So, verse 8. If we say we have no sin... Again, sin as in all-encompassing anything. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Again, remember the people that he wants to address with his letter. These are people who are hearing a false teaching that the body is sinful, but our souls, our spirits are not sinful. Okay, so this is the, the, the main thing he is addressing here. But what we need to realize is, is that this goes further than just that. And he knows this as he's writing it. And we'll see in just a moment how he knows, or why we know that he knows that. But the fact is that we need to be careful when we say we have no sin. Because when we're saved, okay, all of our sins are forgiven, Right? As far as relationship is concerned, all of our sins are forgiven, and there's no sin that we can do that's going to change the forgiveness that we have been given. Salvation is secure. Sin is forgiven once and for all. So why am I talking about this, and why is John talking like this? Because that was concerning relationship. Concerning fellowship, being in right fellowship with God, then sin is ever-present. We're always dealing with it on a daily basis. And if we say that we don't, if we say we have no sin, then what? We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We all struggle with sin. Our sins may be different. I'm just going to read a few passages. Galatians 5, 19-21. Because this, these, are, these are some specific sins... Not just sin in general, but some specific sins. And these are some that, that the Bible tells us about. Now the works of the flesh, this is Galatians five nineteen through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. 
sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, what is Paul saying? We're, we're moving from John to Paul in this case. What is Paul saying in Galatians 5? He, well, he's saying that there are fruits of the Spirit, and here's what they look like. But then there are also uh, works of the flesh, or fruits of the flesh, and here's what they look like. And how many of you have ever been jealous? Anybody ever been jealous? Anybody ever had a fit of anger? Uh, no, none of y'all? Okay, that's good. No, I'm just playing. A lot of you raise your hands. Anybody ever had an unhealthy rivalry, dissension, division, envy? You ever wanted something you didn't have? <clears throat> have you ever been drunk? Have you ever been sexually immoral? Any of these things, okay? Romans 1, Paul is talking about sin again, and he's addressing uh, the specific sin <clears throat> of homosexuality, of, of uh, two people of the same sex being with one another. And in, in verse 29, he says, after he addresses that specific sin, he says, They were filled, they being those that I just mentioned, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Anybody ever been disobedient to a parent? Okay. <clears throat> Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They, uh, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And so, do you fit in any of these? Probably no one in here has murdered someone, but how many of us in here have gossiped or slandered someone? How many of you have ever been boastful or disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, we have to be careful. And maybe I just read those two lists and you can honestly say, I've never done any of those that were just named. And that's just like a few verses in the entire Bible, right? There's a list of 630 different sins that the Bible names. And you might say, well, that's Old Testament. In the New Testament, I found a list of 119 sins that the New Testament names. And so James 4.17, in case you have escaped those two uh, passages, says this. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So let's go back to 1 John 1, eight. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We have to own our sin. We have to admit that we are sinners. A few weeks ago, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry for that. Probably should have just coughed into the microphone. It would have been <coughs> less horrendous. <coughs> a few weeks ago, um, Matt and I were at Sonic because we hang out every Wednesday before church and you know talk about Jesus and stuff. And Matt said, "Is there anything I can pray for you about?" And I said, "Yes." And I told him a sin I'd been struggling with. And I could see in his eyes that he was like, what expecting that? <clears throat> but here's the thing. If we're not honest about our sin, then we're lying to ourselves. 
You know what we call people who come to church and pretend like they don't have sin? Yep. Hypocrites. Because what's true? We're all sinners. I I listened to this artist enjoy his music and he said um, at a concert, he said that he thinks it would be best if all of our sins were just posted on billboards in the middle of town. That way we can stop wasting time trying to cover them up and hiding them and start being like Jesus. And start being more accepting of one another because we're all sinners and we don't have any right to think that we're better than someone else because we're all sinners. And so, when we read 1 John... It's easy for me when I'm reading through the Bible to just read that and keep on going, right? But when we're, when we're slowing down and we're paying attention, we can't just keep going. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And you know the saddest part about saying that we have no sin? Or justifying our sin with some line of excuses? Is that... We come to a point where we truly believe ourselves. Where we truly believe we don't have sin. And yet God knows the truth. And we're not confessing our sins. And so we're just building a thicker and thicker wall between us and our fellowship with God. And how can our joy be complete if we're not in right fellowship with God? And how can our fellowship with others be complete? If we're not in right fellowship with God. And so owning up to our sins. Confessing our sins. Is paramount. In having right fellowship. Verse 9. But what if we confess? If we confess our sins. If. Notice that. If we confess our sins. He is faithful. And just to forgive us. Our sins. Now I want to stop for a second. Remember, we were talking about sin in general earlier, but here we're talking about sins specifically, specific sins. If we confess our specific sins, at the end of the day, we can't just say, and God, forgive me of my sins, and we're not thinking of specific things. We need to take our specific errors and actions against God, our specific sins, Things that we've done that the Bible says not to do. Things that we have not done that we know we're right to do and we didn't do them anyway. We were to take those sins specifically to God and ask Him to forgive us. And our sins shouldn't just be something where we just nonchalantly say, And God, forgive us of our sins. We should feel remorse when we sin against God. We should feel something when that fellowship is broken. And if we've stopped feeling something, then that means we're too used to it. It means that our heart is probably hardened. And we need to take some time to slow down, to step back, and to go to God with individual sins and ask Him to forgive us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. Now this is it cleansed, right? It's cleansed. He will do this if we confess our sins. 
he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What can we be forgiven for? Everything. If we do what? Confess. If we do not confess and we don't even claim to have sins, then we're just lying to ourselves and we're lying to God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us be a people of confession. Confession to whom? God. But let's also have accountability in our lives. All throughout, the, especially the New Testament, there, there is confessing to each other. And not to seek forgiveness necessarily because we have no power to forgive. That's in God's hands in, in that sense. Um, but... Why did I tell Matt a sin that I was struggling with? Because I want him praying for me. I want him asking me, how's it going with that? I don't want to just be in it by myself trying to battle sin. That's an impossible thing. Yes, I have the Holy Spirit, but our sin can quench the Holy Spirit. Our sin, if, if we continue to continue on in sin, each time... There's less and less conviction, isn't there? We can just kind of get used to it. It's like this. Um, I'm going to say this. We're going to read verse 10. We're going to close. When I was a kid, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't grow up in church. Uh, I, we went to church, you know, sometimes, but it wasn't a regular thing. And I knew about Jesus. I always believed that Jesus was God, but I, I didn't have a relationship with him yet. And one of my friends gave me this cassette tape. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, just come talk to me later. Uh, they gave me this cassette tape, and it was of this sermon that he heard this preacher preach. And I was listening to it, and it was a guy out of Bastrop, Louisiana, which is south of where I grew up. And there's uh, this paper mill in Bastrop. What's the first thing you notice when you go into a town with a paper mill? Woo! So he used this example of sin. And he said, when you're in right fellowship with God and you, you commit a sin, ooh, it's pungent. You notice it right away. God, forgive me. But when you live in a town with a paper mill, you don't even smell it anymore. Right? They said it smells like money. But anyway, you don't even smell that, that smell because you're used to it. When you live in sin, unfortunately, you can get used to it. And that's not good. It's not healthy. That's why we have other people in our life to help us, to help point us out. You don't smell that? You don't understand how that's sin? And they do it in love, not to judge us, to in love. Because they want us, they want us, our joy to be complete. They want us to have fellowship with God and fellowship with others. And so, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. But we have to confess them. And in order to confess them, we have to acknowledge them. We have to stop lying to ourselves and saying that we do not have sin. We need to be real with ourselves. And we need to to see our sin. We need to confess our sin. We need to be made right with God. And when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us in the present tense. Or in this case, if we do it, then to cleanse us when we do it. Um, or if we do it, from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, 
Not only are we lying to ourselves, but what do we do? We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So if we say we have not sinned, then we have to start questioning whether we even have a relationship with God or not. Because if we have a relationship with God and his Holy Spirit dwells in us, then surely, surely we're going to be convicted of our sin. And so, I'm preaching this because um, it's the next verses in John and we're going first John and we're going through first John. But I'm also preaching this because I want our joy to be complete. I want our fellowship with God to be whole, and I want our fellowship with others to be the same. And so, it cannot be there if we're not real with our sin. So my question to you this morning is, not do you have sins in your life, but what sins are in your life? And maybe last night or this morning, you were on your knees before God, addressing specific sins. And maybe you are in right fellowship with God. But I want you to think back. Think back to the specific sins that you have committed. Now, if you've already asked for forgiveness, and specifically about those things, then you don't have any need to ask. Because if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to do what? Forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But if you have not asked God to forgive you for for specific things, then during this invitation, this is a time for you to spend with God. And don't just say, no, I'm good. If, If you can't think of a sin immediately, begin to examine yourself. Begin to look back. Begin to ask yourself, are there sins that I haven't confessed? Because we can't just say, oh, I'm saved, I'm good, I'm, you know, I'm going to heaven. First of all, if you have that attitude, then are you saved? Because if we have a relationship with Jesus, shouldn't we desire the things of Jesus? And if you have a relationship with Jesus, and there is sin in your life, if there are specific sins in your life, then confess those things this morning. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. And God, thank you that you came and you died on the cross. Lord, you didn't have to leave heaven. You didn't have to become a man. You didn't have to experience this life and the the pain that goes with it. Lord, but you chose to come and to live a life of pain without sinning in order that you could die for us and you could forgive our sins. Thank you that we can even come to you with our sins. And thank you for being faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And Lord, I pray for anyone in here right now who does not have a relationship with you. They've not been saved. I pray that you would save them. That they would come to you and that they would would admit their need for you. And that they would confess you as Lord. And that they would begin to follow you. You would be their God. And for those who have a relationship. But Lord, there's sin in their lives. In our lives. and, And we haven't confessed those sins, Lord. Lord, help us to confess those sins this morning. Help us to be real with you. Help us to come and to be honest. And to tell you specifically what we've done. And to apologize for how that's hurt you. And to ask you to forgive us. So that we can be in right fellowship with you. 
Lord, help us this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict us. Even if our hearts are hard, even if we've been living in rebellion for a long time, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict us this morning and that we could ask you to forgive us and cleanse us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During this invitation, you can stand up. Some of you might need to sit right back down. Some of you might need to come up here and get on your knees and and ask God to forgive you of specific things. You just listen to God and whatever he's convicting you to do. If you need to talk to me about anything, then come talk to me. I'm going to be on my knees right now at the beginning of this, confessing my own sins. And so just however God's leading you, respond in that way.